0: My name is Saurabh Mahendru. I'm a professor of um, gastroenterology at the Icahn School of Medicine, uh, Mount Sinai, New York. This is about a recent presentation that I made at the Crohn's and Colitis meeting in Denver, where I was um, asked to talk about an interesting topic, which is, do some of the newer IB medications, particularly the P19 drugs, do they have a more durable response after the drug is discontinued and if so what could be the speculative mechanisms so just as a further point of introduction uh, about myself i run a laboratory of mucosal immunology Uh, my group is interested in how the uh, intestines behave during inflammation and we do some um, detailed analyses of the various cell types that go up and down with inflammation so with this in in terms of the introduction uh, i was asked to elaborate on p19 drugs uh, these are the among the new drugs that are um, in uh, crohn's disease and hopefully in the future for uh, ulcerative colitis as well and then to speculate on you know why if there is a durability of the res- drug response after uh, stoppage of drug then what the mechanisms could be so in terms of actual uh, data, uh, it comes from a, a pivotal study or a set of studies that was published last year in the journal Lancet. There were two studies named uh, Advance and Motivate, and these were uh, induction uh, trials with this P19 drug that is called kizumab, where patients who had severely active uh, Crohn's disease, were treated with a single dose of intravenous kizumab uh, uh, or a placebo. And kizumab was given in two doses, uh, either 600 milligrams or 1,200 milligrams. All the patients were treated with a placebo. Uh, and the primary endpoint of this study was clinical remission at week uh, 12, as well as patient-reported uh, outcome data and endoscopic response. So the trial was uh, successful in the sense that in patients with moderate to severe Crohn's disease, a significantly greater proportion of patients, they achieved the co-primary endpoints of clinical remission and endoscopic response with risankizumab uh, treatment than with placebo at week 12. And a sort of a conclusion of the study was that risankizumab may be beneficial as first-line therapy in newly diagnosed patients with moderate to severe Crohn's disease. The next study is a sort of a maintenance trial. So what the investigators did uh, was that they took the patients who had responded to the induction therapy trial. So all the treatment responders in the advance and motivate uh, induction studies were then randomly assigned to receive either rizincuzumab 180 milligrams or rizincuzumab 360 milligrams or they were withdrawn from risankizumab to a subcutaneous placebo so essentially you know the treatment responders from the induction therapy trials were then those who wanted to participate were uh, assigned to these three groups either two groups of risankizumab treatment or to a placebo group and then they were followed over uh, 52 weeks so the very interesting thing was that uh, of course patients who got randomized to risankizumab uh they did well and the co-primary endpoints of um, cdai clinical remission and endoscopic response uh, week 52 were met with the drug uh, and stool frequency and abdominal uh, pain score remission was achieved at week 52 as well so the conclusion of the study was that risankizumab. Uh, was effective uh, as uh, a maintenance drug for patients with Crohn's disease after they had demonstrated an initial response. The part that was very intriguing is that the patients who were treated with placebo, in those patients, objective parameters such as C-reactive protein and fecal calprotectin they continued to be suppressed even at week 50. So they demonstrated very long-term suppression And I I won't go into the details in the talk I elaborated uh, data from dermatology literature, uh, as well as data from other P-19 drugs in IBD, where this is a recurring theme that P-19 drugs, they seem to have, even after the drug is taken away, the, the effects, the beneficial effects of the drug, they persist. So what I ended up then discussing are some very high resolution mucosal data that are uh, arising from our group where um, we've looked with, you know, some of the newer technologies such as single cell RNA sequencing as well as spatial transcriptomics Mm -hmm. to study what happens to the, the lining of the intestines when there is inflammation. And what we found was that there are two predominant cell populations that go up. One is a T cell population called TH17 cells. And the other is a myeloid cell population called inflammatory monocytes and macrophages. And these two populations are the populations that actually are targeted by rizincuzumab. So it's uh, it's a drug that basically uh, blocks the IL-23 pathway and prevents the generation of a pathogenic uh, T cell type called TH17 cell. And uh, what what we and others have, have found is that it's these TH17 cells, as well as uh, the myeloid cells like monocytes and macrophages that produce IL-23, that those are increased in, in patients with uh, intestinal inflammation. So we speculate, and of course, this is speculative because right now there is no primary data, uh, but we speculate that rizincuzumab uh, or that P19-directed drugs may be targeting some of the key cells that go up during inflammation. And how that translates into durable mucosal response, again, this is speculative, but it may be that after these cells are targeted, it leads to sort of a remodeling of the intestines so that there is some of the, the maladapted immune pathways they seem to uh, perhaps be resetting, uh, leading to uh, durability of the immune response. And then towards the end of my presentation, uh, again, this is not based on data, and I speculated whether these groups of drugs could potentially be you know what we call as disease-modifying drugs and uh, I was calling them DMIDS or disease-modifying IBD drugs where they may be impacting on some fundamental aspects of the biology to then you know sort of reset the immune uh, clock a little bit so of course all of this is ripe for further studies and uh, i was hopeful that uh, the talk there would have spawned you know not only some discussion which it did but also that it would actually uh, pique the interest of both people who who do lab based studies and people who, who do clinical studies to try and address uh, you know the the exact mechanisms behind this observation